0: Welcome to another episode of EMS World Podcasts. I'm your host, Mike McCabe. The Hatfields and the McCoys, the Capulets and the Montagues. That's a Shakespeare reference to show you that I'm not that dumb. The early 2000s, Yankees and Red Sox teams. And wait for it, the dispatchers and the field crews of EMS. The perpetual battle, the tug of war, the rivalry that has stood the test of time in our functionally dysfunctional world of EMS. Yes, we all know it exists, and now there is data to prove it. With me today to discuss this relationship struggle are the authors of Partners in Stress, the cover story featured in the June issue of EMS World. Mr. Mike Tegman, an improvement guide for First Watch. Ms. Audrey Frazier, managing editor of the Journal of Emergency Dispatch. And Mr. John Bassett, the editorial director at EMS World, collaborated to produce this excellent piece where the struggle to connect between these two parties is discussed in depth and is supported through survey data. Hello, all, and welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. Thanks, Mike. Excellent. Let's get right into it. Audrey, surveys do not lie, and the data has spoken. Explain a little bit to the listener how the data that you collected reinforces the premise that there is this real disconnect between dispatchers and responders.
1: Okay, the data we collected, I I was rather surprised by the results. But the data, it seems, shows that there is this disconnect between dispatch and response. I don't have the numbers right up here with me. If Mike or Jonathan have those numbers, that would be great to add it here.
0: I mean, I think that really, you, you look at it, and I'm not even 100% certain that we need the specific numbers to show that there was an overwhelming response to the the overall disconnect between these two parties, I know it's existed forever, and I know that we've gone and we and we've always just really endured through this, right? We, there's always been, hey, dispatch is screwing me, right? Or these crews are dogging it, you know, that whole type of dichotomy. But nobody's ever really come out to be able to substantiate it through number. So, so Mike, the, the question, the question that I have, Mike, is the frustration real between both sides, or is this more just Possibly symbolic for the generalized anger and frustration that goes along with the job.
2: It's a great question, and I, I and I I think like so much in our world is the answer is it depends. And given 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 the moment, you know, certainly being a dispatcher, being an EMT, being a paramedic, um, you know, being a flight nurse, you know, whatever your kind of role is in the world, there are inherent stressors and frustrations um, in the world. But our, our systems are set up so that you interact with, uh, if you're a field crew, you interact with dispatch. If you're a dispatcher, you interact with field crews several times throughout the course of your workday. And so it, that those interactions have the potential to kind of be a flashpoint for other stressors that are going on in people's worlds, if that makes sense.
0: It it makes total sense. I mean, the truth of the matter is, listen, it's a, it's a heavily stressful profession that we're in. And and ultimately, if somebody is trying to tell you to do something else where you're already maximally stressed, you're going to get angry or frustrated. Right. So I don't think it has anything to do with personal or interpersonal relationships. I think it's just more uh, a situation
2: and and the structure of a, a group of people who are in one place telling another group of people what to do and then having them them depend on that other group doing what they're what they say they're going to do you know that's a that's a that's a system that is is just designed to have kind of conflict built in
0: no question and john do dispatchers with field experience do they get more of a pass from ridicule or is it worse since people believe they should know then what it's like
3: I don't know if we really uh, saw in the data, Mike, that there was any—I um, I, guess—any trends or any meaningful takeaways as far as years of experience or or time on the job. Uh, it just—it seemed like um, you know th- these 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 phenomena are just kind of inherent in in the line of work. And I I do I do want to circle back to uh, what Audrey was talking about with the the response of of this survey. I mean, one one of my over overwhelming takeaways and one of the first and i th- and i think the most telling thing that i observed with this was just the response that we got uh, to this survey. I mean, at uh, at EMS World, we do run things from time to time, contests and uh, kind of interactive features where we are looking for reader input. And, you know, we we do see, I, I would say, variable rates of response on these things. But with this one, for whatever reason, uh, you know, it just, it struck a nerve. It struck people. This topic was important enough that they were, you know, motivated to put their, their names and their contact information down and enter some you know some pretty strong opinions. So that that told me that this is uh, this is very real, and um, and that this survey was only announced on social media. We didn't really do anything in print or anything at, at the uh, events. So um, just just through word of mouth and people sharing it on social media, the word spread. And in addition to the many completed surveys we got, we also had a lot of people just commenting on. On the Facebook um, post itself. so yeah, this is this is very real. But as far as you know people getting a pass or um, or having to know better if or should know better if they're more experienced, i didn't I didn't really see that. we got we got replies and responses from all across the spectrum.
0: It's interesting, John. Uh, you, you say that you got an overwhelming response to this, and to me, that's telling because it's almost like a cry for help that you know something needs to be done to fix this problem because it does it it does exist and it and it certainly can put a strain on operations and and how they run and audrey i know that dispatchers have an immense amount of pressure and they have to be able to multitask and think on their feet Does the inability you think of the responder to actually visualize this lead itself to the inability of the responder to accept the reality, like not being able to see face to face with these folks and see what they're doing behind the scenes? Is it just easier to pass judgment on them?
1: What I find interesting with the results, and we categorize them into dispatch specific stress and response specific stress. And when you read the comments, you wonder, is this something, and this leads to your question, is this something they've been wanting to say, they hold inside, and the survey gave them the opportunity to voice their concerns? I wonder, when I look at these categories, I wonder if this discussion Has gone on between dispatch and response or, as I said, was this their opportunity to say something?
0: Yeah, I I think it's a great question. Uh, As I said, I think that this became um, an open mic. For these folks to be able to explain what their frustrations are. You know, I'm looking at some of these comments as we speak, and these were some of the responses from the EMS crews. Uh, favoritism between certain dispatchers is directed towards certain crews. If they don't like you, you run nonstop. If they like you, they keep you out of the call loop. You know, I- I'm not arguing that some of the th- some of these things do happen, but I'm also wondering. How often do they happen, or is it just perceived this way? Personally, I run an agency with a dispatch center that is right next to my office. And ironically, when we have, we we certainly see this, we experience this all the time, you know, the anger between, and the frustration between the field crews and the dispatchers. But I get to see the dispatchers in action, and the field crews don't. And what I have seen, you know, overwhelmingly, when we have somebody from the field come in to start to dispatch and train, they automatically say, Oh my Lord, I never realized how difficult this was. Right. And so when they're put into that situation and they have that recognition, what goes into it, they automatically become aware that, you know what, maybe I did pass judgment prematurely.
3: Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Uh, this is John. It's, it's amazing how, um, a lot of a lot of this comes down to the basics, right? Like what you were talking about, Mike. Just some some recognition and some mutual respect for what the other person is is doing. Uh, things like tone of voice, um, you know, f- photos in the dispatch center. So you can see the faces of the people that you're, that you're interacting with small, you know, small gestures of appreciation, ride alongs, things like that. It basically, I mean, for me, that one, one of the overall takeaways, uh, and it's nothing earth shattering here, but, um, in, in my conversations with the people that I interviewed and also in looking over the replies, it really just does come down so many times to, um, to human interaction, the, the the shared mission, the fact that we're that we're all on the, the same team, we all want the same outcome at the end of the day. Sounds a little simplistic and hokey, but uh, I I feel like a lot of bridges can be built just by those by that mutual understanding.
1: And I think Michael touched on this also. It's a matter of not understanding what the of the complications of dispatch and the complications of the response
0: no question and i and i also think that there are other factors in here like mike it, it's also it could be argued that certain structures increase the opportunity for conflict i think that this is a perfect example of that and i'm i'm wondering what you how you feel
2: there's no doubt that the 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 structure of some people telling other people what to do and then other people having to having to respond and and change what they're doing based on what they've been told to do is a is a setup for conflict and there are there are some you know, like common beliefs that I think of uh, as myths that that kind of permeate this. And you, and you alluded to this when you talked about the concept of fairness and, you know, field crews wanting to be treated fair by dispatch. And I remember uh, working in one uh, 911 system where uh, the field crews, the union actually wanted me to write a policy uh, that required dispatchers to treat field crews fairly. And when I asked you know what that meant everybody had this different description and definition and you know all these examples and I and I and I I did an experiment where I did a a complete 180 on their request and and I said um, we're actually going to have a policy that encourages favoritism and that dispatchers are encouraged uh, to treat their favorite crews like their favorites and the ones that are not favorites uh, like they're not favorites because that's what you all perceive them them doing anyhow, and everybody was like, whoa, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, What, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to bring the dispatchers' donuts?" And I said, "Well, if that's what it takes for you to be fair, you should do that." And 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 the reality is, human nature, you know, if, you know, when you're a dispatcher, you want you want crews to respond to you on the radio, treat you with a, a little bit of respect, uh, do what you ask them to do, and 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 be a little extra kind. Same thing's true from the field perspective. You want a dispatcher who gives you all the information you need on the on the calls you're responding to, takes your safety into account, uh, treats you with respect, recognizes when you haven't eaten lunch uh, or when you need to pee or whatever it is. So, you know, that, that mutual respect is key. But by telling people that favoritism was encouraged um, and people will say, but dispatch hates me. I said, well, that's something that you created. Mm hmm. You can fix that. You have control of fixing your relations. These are relationships, and you want your relationships to be good. There's actions that you can take to improve those. And and as Jonathan said, we're all focused on saving lives, reducing suffering, and serving our communities. We just do it from different seats. So you know, let's let's come back to why we're here and realize that we're all human and a little bit of kindness, compassion and basic relationship building will address a whole lot of these issues.
1: I have to bring up the elephant in the room since I work for the Academy. Is there the, Some of the comments were the failure to understand the MPDS protocols and the triage process. So how do you think, here I am asking the question, the, the understanding of the medical priority dispatch system protocols affects the relationship and as response, do they understand when dispatch is using the protocols or when they were implemented? Is there is that a bridge that needs to be crossed?
0: I, I'm supposed to ask the questions, Audrey, but no, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Um, I'll be honest with you, Audrey. We use the academy in our dispatch center. Correct? We we use ProQA. We use these things, and I'll be I'll be completely honest with you. I don't think the field crews have any idea what it is that's being used. I, I really don't. I mean, I, I I certainly there 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 are some. But I don't know that they really understand the, the intricacy of it. And certainly that can lend itself to this, this type of quarrel that exists because they don't realize that it's regimented. You know what I mean? They're, they're, it goes down. It prompts you. And so if they don't understand that process you know, they're just thinking, oh, are you kidding me with this? You know, this got flagged as ALS, this got flagged as B. They don't understand what goes in. And and I think that also lends itself to dispatchers saying, hey, we aren't taken seriously enough. We're not part of, we feel excluded from the EMS community. And and I do feel that there is some uh, justification in that thought process. John, what what are your thoughts on that?
3: Well, I think um, that th- that right there is a point that can be uh, that would benefit so much from from the shadowing that we're talking about. Just spending a day in an ambulance, spending a day in the communications center uh, to see what what the other uh, what the other side uh, has to go through and the challenges that they have. You know, the interesting thing is I see so many parallels really between the two professions uh, in the sense that, you know, I, both both EMS and dispatchers don't really receive Anywhere near the recognition and the accolades that that they deserve. I mean, these are uh, two professions that really are, uh, I would say, you know, the lifeline for people who are in real trouble. And and yet, you know, we don't, as a public, we don't really think about them unless or until something very dramatic happens. So, um, you know, these two professions are out there every single day helping people in real trouble and in real pain without a whole lot of thanks or acknowledgement. Uh, they're they're dealing with common stressors, the the long shifts, the fatigue, the the emotionally draining work. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I see them as as comrades working towards the same mission. And some of these some of these uh, stress points that we're talking about would benefit, I think, so much from just uh, a little bit of um, exposure to what the other side is is dealing with.
1: Oh yes, especially since. For example, protocols change so often. And the same with the pre-arrival instructions and post dispatch instructions. So when they change and the responders aren't aware of that, I can definitely see the aggravation. And with the dispatchers having to follow the script, what can they do?
0: Right, exactly. Again, I think it's just a disconnect. And I, and I love the ideas, and, and hopefully there'll be a follow-up on some of these ideas that could be put into practice to, to bridge this gap a little bit. Mike, I'm curious because I, I'm taking it from my perspective again, but do you feel that the dispatch and the communication specialists have garnered a little bit more respect Uh, in recent years based on, you know, high profile incidents such as active shooter incidents and COVID specifically that they've had to deal with and push through and assist in? I I
2: think there's some truth to that. And it's and it's a little bit a little bit odd for me because the system that I worked in when I was a street paramedic, uh, which was the Denver Paramedic Division, um, being able to get into the dispatch center was a promotion. So you had, you had to, you know, be a successful street paramedic and apply to work in the dispatch center. And you, it was, it was something you applied for and you got paid more, um, when you got into dispatch. So it was, it was considered a next step up from the field, which is unusual as I've found, as I've, I've traveled throughout my, uh, my career since then, but the there's, there's no doubt that you know, Audrey and her team uh, with the International Academies of Emergency Dispatch have really elevated the profession of emergency dispatch, and um, a lot of high-profile cases have, have helped that. And I I, I just want to say one thing I and I agree with uh, doing cross-exposure, exposing field crews to dispatchers and dispatchers to field crews. Uh, but just to, just just doing a sit along or a ride along uh, won't won't get you much. Um, because I, you know, I've, I have, I've sat, I I've watched neurosurgery and that doesn't make me, you know, know what it takes to be a neurosurgeon. Um, so, you know, in, in the dispatch center, you know, if you part of your job as a dispatcher is to help orient field crews to what it's like, you know, plugging them into a headset so they hear it. And then having the offline conversation of, you know, what questions would you have asked differently or how would you have handled this person who you know was not willing to take the person off the bed to start CPR or whatever whatever the situation the dispatcher faced and and <clears throat> as much as possible without having them actually actually handle the call put them in the position of the moment by moment analysis and decisions the dispatchers have to make with really inadequate information you know just just a phone call sometimes a third party phone caller Um, you, you've got to make it more real and the same thing's true when a dispatcher rides along with the field crew, having the field crew, not just show them a good time and show them where the, you know, places where they'll give you a dollar off on the tacos because you're in an ambulance or, or whatever those kinds of experiences are, but, you know, but say, you know, okay, we, we just, um, got moved to another post right after we'd ordered our food and we'd let the dispatcher know that we'd ordered our food, but they want us to move to this other post. But the food hasn't been delivered yet. And you know, how sh- how should I deal with that with you if you were in dispatch and and, and make it not, not in a blaming way, but make it make the experience more experiential and real for the person you're kind of orienting is be helpful.
1: Yes, and also have the freedom to ask why that decision was made, although that might be very naive on my part because of the busy, how busy both sides are dispatch and response. But there I wish there was some way for follow-up in something that did not go as anticipated.
0: Well, I think that this article is a great stepping stone to creating more dialogue and a little bit more understanding of what is going on out there within our collective circle of EMS, including the field crews and the dispatchers, and really just opening up a door for understanding. Um, and being a little bit more respectful of each other. You know, I always say that in EMS, we feast on each other. That's what we do. And unfortunately, this is just kind of a microcosm of that. And, and hopefully you folks doing this article and starting that dialogue and bringing it out in the open and actually having that supportive, supportive data is going to go a long way in, in, in bringing about this change that we require. So kudos to you for an amazing article Um, If you have not read the article, again, it's the featured article in the June edition of EMS World Podcasts. I want to thank all three of you for joining me today. Mike, John, Audrey, excellent job. Um, Thank you for coming on and thank you for all of your insight into this.
1: Oh, thank you, Michael. Yes, thank you very much.
2: Thank you for having us.
0: Thanks for having us. Excellent. It was a great time. And again, I want to remind everybody, we have EMS World Expo coming up. I cannot wait for EMS World Expo in person, October 4th to the 8th. Uh, Great things planned, including podcasts right from the floor. So make sure you come and see us in person in Atlanta, Georgia. Again, thanks for joining us. This has been another episode of EMS World Podcast. I'm Mike McCabe. Talk to you later. This has been an episode of EMS World Podcast. You can find this audio and more like it on the podcast page of emsworld.com. You can also follow EMS World on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram.